Welcome to Harrison Church. Thanks for joining us this week. We hope that you enjoy this week's message from Pastor Elizabeth. So this week I had one of those um, God sightings or kingdom revelations, and it really was simple this week. It came in the form of laughter. You know, and it was so good at the end of a really difficult week to come together with some of the women in the church and, and just to hear laughter in this room. And, and I got a, a dare to share my artwork from Friday night. So you're ready for this one? Prepare to be astonished. Woo! Yeah, right? No. <laughs> I was going for Van Gogh's Starry Night. You see it? And it kind of became Monet, and then it kind of became Ducks by Elizabeth. So anyway, it, we just had a great time, and, and it was a lot of fun to be together and just to laugh. And I think God honors and values that kind of fellowship. So I was so grateful that, to have that opportunity um, this week. But we are continuing on in our uh, ser- sermon series that this faith just makes no sense. I mean, beginning with Easter and the resurrection that we experienced just a few weeks ago, what we do, what we say, how we act, what we believe, just doesn't make sense some of the time. It just doesn't make sense. And and for those of us who ground our faith on resurrection, what else would we expect? And some people don't don't grasp it, don't believe it, can't reason it. They, they just want that empirical data, and we don't get it. And so as people of the resurrection, we are, have come to just expect that things don't make sense. I love it. Years ago, a physicist tried to prove the resurrection through the properties or what have you of physics, and he said he did it, but I can't understand physics, so I don't know. I'm just going to believe that Christ was raised from the dead. And if you know your Bible, you know that that resurrection should not have been unexpected by the people of the day. Jesus came and taught and ministered and operated in this world in such a way that just didn't make sense. And so as as we move on from Easter, we're going to go back to some of those Uh, stories, if you will, parable today, that just doesn't make sense. So let's hear these words of Christ. If you will, please stand for our gospel lesson. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to read just a few verses, verse 31 through 33. So he, being Jesus... He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in a field. It is the smallest of seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air may come and make their nests in its branches. And then he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated and let us pray. Oh Lord, we know sometimes you don't make sense 
and that's just the way it is. That's faith. Lord, help us to be faithful, to embrace the mystery of your grace, and as best we can to try to live into it. For it is in your name that we pray. Amen. So if you're from south of the Mason-Dixon line, you've seen this, right? And if you've moved here recently or a long time ago even, you've seen this. Who knows what it is? Kudzu, right, it's in the title. Kudzu. So we're going to start out with a little story, some fun facts about kudzu in case you're ever on Jeopardy and need to beat this guy who's making $2 million right now. But anyway, kudzu was brought to the U.S. as a gift from the Japanese government to the city of Philadelphia for its 100th birthday. And then it made its way south to Florida to feed livestock, and then it came a little further up north to Georgia, up north to Georgia, that sounds odd, up north to Georgia to prevent soil erosion in the 1930s. And the rest is history. This is what we got now. Kudzu is an invasive plant. It takes hold and interrupts of that which was already there. We see it growing on power poles and and power lines. We see it taking over trees. If you don't cultivate it, it's hard to kill with pesticide. And, And so you have to really work at it to cut it down and bring it back to some sort of manageable level. I mean, for some reason, it's just never going away. Now, some people have tried to redeem kudzu and and have begun industries around it. There's a man in Alabama who feeds it to his goats and has a profitable goat cheese business. And then there's a woman in Georgia, and I still don't understand this, a woman in Georgia who's made jelly out of it. (laughs) Can you imagine? A woman in South Carolina has learned how to weave baskets from its vines, its branches, woman in Rutherford turns, she and her husband have written a cookbook and go to state fairs and, and county fairs and, and do demonstrations of how to cook kudzu. I don't, I don't know if it's redeemable. But anyway, so what would it have been like if Jesus, fast forward 2,000 years with this parable, what would you have thought if Jesus had said to us, believers gathered around him, if Jesus had said, the kingdom of God is like kudzu? The kingdom of God is like kudzu. It doesn't make sense to the ears, does it? We don't like it. And yet Jesus would say to us, the kingdom of God is like kudzu. It's an intrusive plant that disrupts life. And when we flash backwards 2,000 years, we realize that when Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, he was saying the very same thing as if the kingdom of God was like kudzu. The mustard seed was a weed. The mustard plant was an intrusive plant, and if left unattended, it could disrupt the farmer's crops. If left unattended, it would grow rapidly and it would cover up the intended crops and they would be spoiled and it would get out of control if left unattended. And so when Jesus said to those early believers, when he said that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, they were shocked. No farmer in their right mind would be planting mustard seeds. 
And yet we have this parable that makes no sense to those who heard it early on. To those who heard it early on, perhaps who liked their faith in neat rows like soybeans. Let's go there, Jesus. In neat rows like cotton or tobacco, we like our faith to make sense and to fit in a certain plan so that we can manage it a little better. Who like our faith, perhaps like lavender, so that it's beautiful and smells good. Who in their right mind would want the kingdom of God to be like an intrusive, disruptive weed? It makes no sense. And yet that is exactly what Jesus says to us. The kingdom of God intrudes into our lives. The kingdom of God makes its own way into our lives, sometimes in ways that are unexpected, in ways that make no sense, in ways, however, that invite us to tend the soil and to cultivate the plant, even an intrusive weed. So God has called upon us to understand this kingdom, this parable, this this saying that doesn't make all that much sense. God asks us to understand that sometimes the kingdom doesn't make sense. Sometimes the kingdom of heaven, as it has come on earth, we believe that that God's kingdom has started here on earth, and, and we want it to be that which is, again, beautiful and normative and, and enjoyable, and yet God says it just is like a mustard seed. And it'll get into the earth, and if you don't watch it, it'll take over. And so we hear this, And we begin to seek understanding about how it is that it is holy when God disrupts our lives and asks us to be otherwise. And we begin to think a little bit more about how it is holy when God needles faith into the likes of us in ways that are unexpected, unanticipated, and frankly don't make sense. And yet God asks us to be part of the growth, of growing the kingdom, of becoming, as the scripture tells us, a glorious tree in which all the birds of the air may find rest, may find home, may find welcome. It doesn't make sense. At the end of the day, the kingdom of God comes into our lives, sometimes uninvited, intrusive, and asks us to live in such a way that this kingdom on earth expands into all places, welcoming all people, and the birds of the air can light on its trees. And then as if to reemphasize this point, as if to come back around to this this idea that the kingdom of God just doesn't make sense, God then goes on to say that the kingdom of God is like a little bitty piece of leaven inserted into a lot of flour as a woman is making bread. And you know when that leaven goes into the flour, you know when that yeast hits the flour, everything changes from the inside out. In the church, we may use a big word like transformation. The essence of the flower becomes wholly different. And the product of what is going on in this kingdom of God is wholly different from what we might have anticipated, expected, 
preferred. You know, back in the day, again, when the original believers were hearing this message from Jesus, yeast and bread was not something that was very common. They just didn't have it. In fact, at times, leaven or yeast for the Jews is considered unholy. In Passover, it's forbidden for, for, for the Jews to put yeast in their bread. And if beyond Passover you want to do it, the yeast has to go through whatever the process is to make it kosher. I don't get all that, but, but I know. And so the, this, this foreign agent, this element common, this intrusion, if you will, of something that will change the property, change the essence, is introduced into this idea of what God's kingdom is like. Yet again, reminding us how very different we are called to be. And so as that woman folds and kneads that yeast into the bread, we too are called upon to work it out. And to be part of what God is doing, it's just what God says the kingdom of God is like. And so we have this understanding of, of an intrusive word. And a, and a world, perhaps, that, that we are to stand apart from and yet welcome all the same. And we have this understanding that that when we need that yeast and when we work with our hands, we ourselves are allowing just that tiny measure of faith to transform us from the inside out so that we may be a wholly different product than we would have been otherwise. And while it doesn't make sense to cultivate a weed, and while it doesn't make sense to put yeast in bread, that is the life of faith. That is who we are called to be. That is the kingdom that we are invited to take part of. And so you take this parable that was told thousands of years ago to people who were used to farming and to people who were used to making their own bread, otherwise they wouldn't eat. And we wonder, well, what does that do for us now? How is it, those of us who aren't farmers of a, of a mass crop, how is it that we understand how intrusive a mustard plant can be? Or for those of us who don't make our own bread, how is it that we can understand that that, that little bit of yeast is going to change everything, corrupt the very nature of what at first came together? Faith. It's just faith. It's the kingdom of God being compared to something that shakes us up, something that we haven't anticipated, something that is called to be wholly other and different. I mentioned that the, the uh, mustard plant grows into a huge tree where all the birds of the air, clean or unclean, as defined by Scripture in the Old Testament, all the birds of the air could light in this tree and make their home. And then you have the bread. We're told that there were three measures of flour. That woman was baking for a crowd. Sixty. 70 loaves, 
would have come forth from that little bit of flour and that leaven. She was baking for a crowd, ready to welcome all to her table, ready to feed those who are hungry, ready to invite the clean and the unclean alike to be part of this kingdom of God. And that's all because we have something else that we understand or try to understand by faith that makes no sense. And that is the very grace of God. The grace of God that makes it possible for us to experience our lives with different values, different priorities, because we have been welcomed into this space as unclean and unfit as we are. And God is working that transformation in us by grace. And I don't get it. And yet I believe it. It doesn't make sense to me, and yet, thank God for it. Now, I think it's been a really interesting week. And I'm going to mess with you a little bit. Is that okay? Particularly in the southeast, maybe beyond, you find people, Christians who react to tragedy in any number of ways, who respond and, and try to say things that are of comfort and, and to try to explain sometimes the unexplainable, to try to make sense out of tragedy. And so we say things that just don't seem to make any sense. So I'm going to mess with what you might have heard. And let me tell you, I get messed with all the time. And my faith, perhaps like yours, is not settled. And perhaps like yours, I, I, I try to invite transformation and welcome that leaven and be part of, of lighting in that tree that's intruded my life. Perhaps, perhaps you experience that in, in some way. But God's word, it, it's interesting in this text that what Jesus is saying, he's saying to believers... It's not just, I think, that we are to stand apart from the world, to be countercultural, to offer a different way of life, a way of life that has values such as humility. That doesn't make any sense. To offer a way of life that is encompassed and embraced all people in love. That doesn't make sense. I mean, so, so Jesus is talking to people who theoretically already get that, okay? And I'm going to say, I, I imagine you all get that. And here's where I'm going to mess with you. My friend, I have a friend who is uh, a campus pastor at UNCC. And the Christian ministry on campus, one of the Christian ministries on campus, is a combination of Methodist, uh, no, Methodist, Lutherans, Episcopalians, and Presbyterians. And it was so interesting to me that my friend, the Methodist pastor there, felt like what his students needed to hear first, immediately, following the shooting on that campus was that that was not part of God's will. Because many pastors, and particularly perhaps with students, but many pastors are constantly rubbing up against this prevailing theology that everything that happens is part of the will of God. And that's not Methodist. It's not Wesleyan. 
And so this pastor, as his students encountered something that no one should encounter, he said, listen up. This is not the world that God intends, evidently pushing back on someone who told him this was just part of the plan. He said, no, it's not. Now, I think God has a plan, no doubt. You want to know what it is? God's plan is for the salvation of the world. God's plan is for reconciliation of all people through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. God's plan is to bring all people into relationship with him, to expand that kingdom beyond what our small minds can ever even anticipate or imagine and even may have trouble accepting. That's God's plan. I believe in the will of God. I just don't think evil's part of it. And I found it so interesting, again, and I have his letter here. He, first thing, he believed that 18 and 19, 20, 21-year-olds needed to hear was that God had no part of this act. And that what God had a part of was simply walking alongside those who suffer. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to be afraid because God is with me even here. And Steve, my friend, the pastor, wrote, quoted Psalm 46, the first verse. He said, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in a time of trouble. That's slice of the kingdom of God. That's Christians. And again, you may be in a different place. Guess what? Christians disagree. <laughs> Surprise. But that constant intrusion of God's grace, that transformative property, property like yeast, calls us to begin to encounter and think otherwise. And to begin to understand that when it makes sense, not when it doesn't make sense, it's not God's fault. Rather, it's where God shows up and helps us navigate difficult waters. God promises presence. God promises a tree where tired birds can rest and lonely birds can build a home and enjoy the company of others. God's promise is to walk with us, to be our strength, our hope, our power, whatever it is we are facing. That makes sense sometimes, but that's what Jesus says the kingdom is like. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And let us pray. Again, God, we thank you simply for your presence with us, for your willingness to transform us in mighty ways, for your willingness to use us to tend the soil and knead the dough, to be those who work daily for your kingdom, 
and to be part of your gracious presence in this world. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.